everybody. How you doing? And welcome to the John Riley Project. Happy Friday. Hope you're doing great today. Um, it's, uh, God, it's, it's no longer summer, is it? I think we're into the fall. Uh, so hope you're having a great day. Hope you're looking forward to a great weekend here uh, in San Diego County. Man, we're living in paradise here. Uh, gotta love it in San Diego. You know, we're broadcasting from Poway, California, actually a suburb of this county of, of San Diego. And um, we're going to get into a lot of different topics today. We're going we're gonna to talk about... Um, um, we're going to talk about Brianna Taylor and the tragedy uh, that befell her. We're going to kind of break it down, go into some of the details, some of the uh, things that went down that that terrible evening. Um, we're also going to take a look and have a little fun with some city slogans. Um, you know, we had some interesting conversations here in my hometown of Poway about our own city slogan. So I thought I'd just kind of have a little fun and talk about city slogans for other towns here in San Diego. County and and other parts of the United States. And and then we'll do a little bit of a deep dive on our own city slogan here in Poway, uh, which is kind of at the center of a lot of political conversation locally. Um, And um, yeah, so this is what we're doing. It's episode 167. It's going to be Brianna Taylor and it's going to be city slogans. But, you know, before we really dive in, um, just a couple of things to kick us off. Um, Number one is... uh, um, just want to thank, you know, everyone for the great feedback and participation in the live streams that we've been doing. And, you know, we're continuing to do these every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 2 p.m. And I live stream it on my John Riley Project Facebook page and my John Riley Project YouTube page. And since we switched to the um, the live stream, um, it, it's great. I mean, it's a huge win-win because, The audience gets to participate. I encourage your participation. Type in comments as we go. I love it because I'm engaging with you rather than doing a monologue. And then, you know, selfishly, I don't have to do a lot of post-production video work because boom, it's saved right up to those platforms. So it's all great. So thanks again for the feedback. We were getting some great feedback as well in my Facebook group, uh, the John Riley Project Insiders group, which I welcome you to join us there. We have more detailed, intimate conversations conversations about some of the things that happen in the podcast. Um, so seek that out. So like I have the John Riley Project Facebook page where I post the episodes, but then the John Riley Project Insiders group is a separate Facebook group. You have to answer a few questions to get in. I let everyone in. And boy, I just love when our, our podcast listeners, they have questions. We continue the discussion. Sometimes we have a little fun, sometimes tempers flare, but it's a great place to hang out and and kind of uh, enjoy the discussion with a lot of the podcast fans. Um, But yeah, there's, God, there's a lot of, before I get into Breonna Taylor, there's a few things that I really want to comment on. I mean, besides the fact that we're near the end of baseball season, Padres in the playoffs, that's good news. Hopefully Clevenger comes back. Um, I saw an article in the Union Tribune today that the Aztec basketball is, is getting organized and the team is on the court. I'm excited about that. But there was um, one piece of news today, and I don't know if you saw it. Um, it. It happened only a few hours ago, but 
I don't know if you know who Congressman Ron Paul is. And um, Ron Paul, the, he was a congressman from the state of Texas, and he was a three-time pre- uh, candidate for president of the United States. And he has his own sort of live stream show, just like I do. And in the middle of an interview today, he had a stroke um, during a live stream, and uh, it was just awful. And a lot of people were really worried that he may have passed. And later on, we did see that he was in the hospital, and he gave a thumbs up, and apparently he's okay. So, you know, the whole thoughts and prayers for Ron Paul. Um, but, you know, he he's just an interesting guy. I mean, he... Uh, definitely has a political philosophy similar to mine. And, you know, I've often talked about, you know, five main principles that I really like to focus on. And those are um, limited government, individual rights, peace, tolerance, and free markets. And Ron Paul generally is very aligned with that and really did some special things when he ran for president. Um, you know, when in the 2008 debate, uh, he he commented, he thought that we were going around blowing up countries all over Asia, and it's no wonder that they hated us. And that's the reason they bombed us on 9-11. And in fact, actually, Osama bin Laden backed that up in his, his own manifesto. Um, but when Ron Paul said, well, maybe we need to have a foreign policy based on the golden rule, you know, do, you know, do unto us as we would have uh, do unto you, you know, and, and he was booed by the, uh, the, the crowd there in South Carolina at the GOP debate. And he was heavily criticized by many of the, um, you know, the GOP presidential candidates in 2008, especially Rudy Giuliani, who back then every other utterance out of his mouth was 9-11. So, I mean, Ron Paul just, I just think is a special guy. I mean, granted, you know, he has his own, you know, dirty laundry um, with his newsletters and some racist comments that he's made um, or have gone out under his name. Um, So, you know, I I always kind of, I learned a lesson some time ago and it's never fall in love with a politician because they'll always disappoint you, (laughs) you know? So there are some politicians we like, and there's certainly some politicians we don't like. Um, but you always have to sort of take it with a grain of salt because you know, at some point they're going to do something to really upset you. And that doesn't apply just at the national level, but definitely even at the state and local level. Um, I think we can look at even some of our local politicians here in San Diego County and, the so-called good guys often do things that, you know, are very, you know, are very, uh, very concerning, you know, so be careful putting all your love into a candidate or any kind of a politician. But um, I do want to just have that shout out to Dr. to Dr. No, you know, Ron, Ron Paul was a physician and he was really brave because rather than going along with the parties and the pressure from um, a lot of the lobbyists, he stood his ground on principle and would often vote no on a lot of policies. I would love to see that at the uh, local level. Uh, I remember I said to myself back in 2014 when I was a candidate for uh, Poway Unified School District, I said to myself even then that I, I saw myself voting no on a lot of things. And I thought about Ron Paul back then. But at any rate, he I don't know the severity of the stroke that he suffered. Hopefully it's mild, but um, he seems to be in good health. So um 
Moving on, let's talk about Breonna Taylor. This is kind of the big news topic nationally. And I I touched on it a little bit in the last episode, but I do want to kind of go a bit deeper with this because it's a really important issue that cuts across a lot of different topics that are in the zeitgeist, different things that we're discussing. And so let me just tee it up and, and I'll present the facts as I know them. Of course, if I get anything wrong, you want to chime in, please feel free to leave your comments um, in the live stream in, in Facebook or in YouTube. I'll read them on the air and we'll kind of have a bit of a discussion. So Brianna Taylor, um, a young, uh, a young adult, a woman, uh, a black woman, and was killed by the police in a raid at her apartment. And the way it went down is, is that apparently um, she had a boyfriend who was dealing drugs, and this boyfriend was apparently in her apartment sometimes um, organizing his stuff, preparing for sale. Um, and there were even some some rumors, some allegations. Well, let me set that aside. I'm going to try to keep it just to the facts. And so, um, what had happened is, is that the, the, um, the, the authorities were trying to track down her boyfriend and the police went to the courts and got a warrant to search the boyfriend's place. And they also decided they wanted to search Brianna Taylor's place just in case there happened to be drugs there that they could use as evidence. Well, what they and they were issued the authority to do a no knock raid and what a no knock. It was a warrant but a no-knock raid warrant. And what that means is, is that the police can show up at your front door. They don't even have to knock. They don't have to announce who they are. They just literally bust through the door um, and just knock the door off the hinges. Guys come in, guns a-blazing. And that was what they were given the authority by the judge to do. Um, Apparently, when when the, the police showed up at Brianna Taylor's front door. By this time, apparently, they had already apprehended the boyfriend. Um, that had been done previously that evening. Uh, but they still felt it was important to go in. And apparently, right before they barged the door down, they were told that they should do a knock and an announcement. Not a no-knock raid, but a a knock and announce raid. Um, so Excuse me. Um, According to the police, what they did is they knocked on the front door. They announced who they were and there was no response. And then they barged in. Um, Now, according to Brianna Taylor and her boyfriend, who, by the way, not the same boyfriend, the boyfriend that was dealing drugs had been out of her life. They had broken up. He was doing his own thing and she was dating a new guy. And the new guy was staying at her apartment that night. And they were awoken by this. They said they heard no, and they said no one knocked, no one announced anything. The, what they've heard, what woke them up out of bed was literally a ramrod busting down their front door and police charging into the apartment. Um, and what had happened is, is that the boyfriend uh, was, you know, obviously startled, thought people were invading their house, didn't really know it was the police. He had a gun. 
And he started shooting to defend himself and defend his girlfriend. Um, the police saw that there was return fire. And the end result was, is that Brianna Taylor died. Um, and there was obviously one of the police officers was shot and injured. Um, I'm not sure what happened to the boyfriend, if he was injured or not. Um, but the real tragedy was that Brianna Taylor died. Um, so what's interesting is, is that, during this process, when one of the officers was shot and injured, immediately the other officers called in emergency personnel. They showed up to take care of the officer. They didn't care that Brianna Taylor was hurt. In fact, was you know struggling for her life. It wasn't until the emergency personnel were there that they actually treated Brianna Taylor. And by that point, you know it may have been too late. Um, so. Uh, the end result of all of this is that uh, it was a terrible tragedy. Um, there was a loss of life and it was all under the guise of a, um, you know, the police barging in and uh, knocking down doors. And, 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 and as a result, when the police searched the entire apartment, they found no drugs because the drugs were with the ex-boyfriend, not with her. She had you know, really taking a new course. You know, she was developing her career and kind of starting her life fresh. You have to give her credit for it. But there are interesting angles to this. Now, apparently the what what has really started all of these marches in the street that we saw yesterday and even the day before yesterday was that the three officers that were involved in this, people said they should have been charged with murder. Uh, but in fact, only one officer was um, found guilty of any violation of the law. And what he had done, it wasn't that he shot Breonna Taylor. It was the fact that while they were, before they were doing the raid, before they knocked down the door, he was shooting indiscriminately through the window and the patio door um, where they're supposed to have a line of sight before they can actually shoot. So the guy that got busted wasn't the one that shot Breonna Taylor. He just got busted for firing bullets almost sort of randomly, sort of irresponsibly. And that's the only officer that really got in trouble from this whole thing. Um, And you know, as it all went down, what's interesting is that um, Breonna Taylor's family was given a $12 million um, settlement, and which you would think means that the police are admitting their guilt to some degree, yet the police officers were not found guilty. And you find this a lot where, you know, again, the police, the police unions stand up for each other. And, um, and, and this goes to qualified immunity, which in many cases protects the police officers when they commit crimes like this, that I think is frankly unjust. Um, but you know, the family received $12 million and yet the the police say that they acted responsibly, you know, at least in terms of the, the, the bullets that went into Breonna Taylor. Um, and it is all there's all kinds of crazy hypocrisy with this, too, because um, and also crazy, I guess, laws and, and frankly, our culture and society. But um one of the things is from our friends on the right, you know, our conservative friends, you know, they usually are really big proponents of the castle doctrine, right? Where this is where, you know, your house is your castle. And if someone invades your property, you have a right to use your gun and shoot them. And a lot of, you know, pro-gun, gun rights folks are very big on the castle doctrine. But in this case, a lot of those 
typically conservative, typically right wing people are saying, no, this guy should have been busted for because he shot at the police. And it's like they forget about the castle doctrine. Um, and Bruce McCoy chimes in crazy laws, question mark. Yes, crazy laws. And I will get to that. Um, so it's funny how the castle doctrine in this case is conveniently looked the other way by our friends on the right. Um, and then also um, our friends on the right will often say that um, one of the reasons that we have a Second Amendment um, in the Bill of Rights, and, and just for the record, I'm a huge supporter of all 10 of the Bill of Rights, including the right to bear arms. But one of the um, one of the justifications for the Second Amendment is that Americans can protect themselves from a tyrannical government, um, that the people can rise up and fight back against the government if they become too intrusive. Well, here is a government, you know, essentially a gang of government uh, officers barging into someone's house and shooting. I mean, this is like a tyrannical government in this case. And they were shooting back. You know, the boyfriend was shooting back. And still a lot of our our friends on the right will criticize the the shooter, the the, the guy that was in the apartment, not the police. It's, It's like there's such quick defense. It's the whole blue lives matter. It's always always quick to defend the police, even when they're in the wrong. Um, and then in, and then we see some cases where there's a lot of blame, you know, on Breonna Taylor saying, well, you know, she was a drug dealer and she was known to be dealing drugs. And and you're like, what are you talking about? I mean, why are you blaming the victim? You know, the guy that had the gun, you know, her boyfriend that night, he he was a he was licensed. He had the gun. He was licensed to carry it. And he was defending, you know, himself and his girlfriend from people that were invading the house. I mean, imagine if you or I had done that, if you know, if we were burglars and we barged into someone's house with guns, guns cocked, going in, busting through the wall or the door, and then the homeowner shot back at us to protect himself, and then we shot the homeowner or one of their family members, what do you think would happen to us? The, you know, using the hypothetical that we're the ones barging in. Well, we would be thrown in prison. We would be charged with murder. Um, we would, um, you know, because we are the ones that are doing the invading. Um, but see, in this case, because it's the police, the rules don't apply. And we're supposed to have equality under the law, right? I mean, the whole notion of, and this is a crazy law, Bruce McCoy, the whole idea of a no-knock raid, in my opinion, is crazy. I mean, it makes sense that if there is a suspect and you want to get a warrant to search and there is probable cause and you get a warrant from a judge and you go and search an apartment, that makes sense within, here we'll go back to the Bill of Rights, within the Fourth Amendment, you know, where there has to be probable cause and a warrant. But at the same time, when you have a case where the police are literally busting through a door with a ramrod um, where police are empowered to not even knock and announce themselves just to come bashing through damaging property as they come through. That's wrong. That's an invasion of privacy. Um, That is inconsistent with our inalienable rights of life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. So um, I think it's it's a real serious problem when we have uh, the police doing this. Now, Pete Neal chimes in on on the uh, live stream. Pete says, I don't know if Kentucky law is the same as as California's. But our law is lacking definition. Chapter three of search warrants, parts 1523 to 1542. Wow, Pete, you're getting real technical here. Um, Encompasses um, number 1531, which states the officer may break open any outer or inner door or window of a house or any part of a house or anything therein to execute the warrant. Now, that's pretty clear. But here is the issue. If after notice of his authority and purpose, he has refused admittance without any clarification of what that la- what that last and dot dot dot. So, I, again, I think that's a bad law. Um, I, I understand that there's a right or a need to have a search warrant in some cases, um, but I don't think that the police should be able to. Um, violate, you know, a person's private property, especially barging in in the middle of the night um, with, you know, officers with guns. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, There's a better way to handle it. Uh, Bruce McCoy shares, I thought the reason was that the dealers were destroying evidence. A judge had to sign the warrant on probable cause. Well, they had already caught the dealer before they invaded Brianna Taylor's apartment. The dealer was her ex-boyfriend. In fact, when when the initial barge through the door occurred, Brianna thought that it was her ex-boyfriend going crazy. Um, they later found out, you know, in, a, in just a matter of seconds, that it was the police. And then Brianna Taylor died. So, yeah, if if there was if there was a need for a search warrant in her apartment, Okay, fine. Then conduct the search, but don't show up in the middle of the night and barge through a door. You know, show up at a normal hour and and knock on a door and then enter lawfully um, without damaging their property. Um, so I think it's uh, they cross the line. I think this this is a terrible law. The whole idea of no knock raids. Now we can talk about. The, if there is there a need for a raid, um, again, I'm not a fan of that, and I don't believe there should have that power. But still, if there is to be a raid, then at least it should be knock and announce, not a no knock raid. In fact, there, you know, we just talked about Ron Paul. Um, his his son Rand Paul has had a bill in front of the Senate to ban no knock raids. That's a good idea. Um, I think no-knock raids are a terrible violation of our inalienable rights. Um, but it, it's interesting how this breaks along political lines, right? Where you know the the people that support Trump are generally going to be supportive of the police, um, and they're going to be you know again trying to blame the victim in this case, uh, Breonna Taylor, or to support the police, saying they were within, within their rights um, and. According to the law, they very well may have been, but I'm saying it's a bad law. Um, But then uh, on the other hand, you know, our friends on the left, you know, our liberals on the left, um, like Biden and Kamala Harris, they're the ones that are obviously going to the Black Lives Matter line, trying to, you know, obviously stand up for the victim. But talk about hypocrisy. Joe Biden in the 1990s was the author of the crime bill that was 
that really empower the police to be very, very aggressive to enforce drug laws. And that's exactly what happened here. So it's very hypocritical, in my opinion, for Joe Biden to, you know, kind of, you know, look the other way on the, this terrible legislation that he he pushed forward that's led to a mass incarceration state that has empowered the police to violate civil liberties. Um, it's it's a. Uh, it just it's just crazy to see Joe Biden, you know, that's to me, that's what makes it so nonsensical to, to support Biden. And I and again, I don't support Trump either. But um, if you're if you are really concerned about Breonna Taylor and her wrongful death, why would you elect a president that empowered the very police that killed Breonna Taylor? And then, of course, Kamala Harris, you know, falling in line with the um, the left wing talking points. Um, you know, she's tweeting about Black Lives Matter and and but Kamala Harris was an attorney general and a district attorney that was throwing people in jail for using marijuana. And then she laughed about it because she used it too. Um, Kamala Harris as attorney general um, in the state of California, where there were people that were on death row and there were, there was evidence to get them off of death row. She suppressed that evidence. So she's like one of those aggressive cops. And yet, um, I still can't make heads or tails of it why these voters would support them if they really do support criminal justice reform. So, yeah, the Black Lives Matter definitely applies in this case uh, because it's a loss of an innocent life, a loss of life of a black woman at the hands of the police. Um, but in this case, it's it's an innocent person and it's a woman, which kind of makes it a little bit different than some of these other cases. And it's funny is um, it even crosses in the world of sports. And was it last night? I think, you know, you, if you ever watch TNT for the NBA playoffs and and I love those guys. What is it? Ernie? Um, uh, I can't remember what Ernie's last name is, but then there's, um, you know, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal and, and Kenny, the jet is up there and, um, they're a great crew. I, I have a lot of fun watching them, uh, during the halftime and pre and post game shows, but they'll jump into politics and let me pull up the CNN article and, you know, Barkley caught a lot of crap for the comments he made. And um, he said, uh, Charles Barkley, we do have to take into account that her boyfriend shot at the cops and shot a cop. Well, he did. But he was protecting his castle, the castle doctrine. Right. Um, and you know, the police were the ones that were in the wrong. They were they were barging into the wrong house. The boyfriend that was the original drug dealer not only wasn't there, but that boyfriend had already been apprehended. And they they didn't even find drugs at that place. So this boyfriend was defending himself, defending his girlfriend, Brianna Taylor. Yet people want to blame the victim. Um, and then you know, both Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal commented they were concerned about, you know, so-called, quote unquote, lumping it all together with all of the other Black Lives Matter um, uh, issues. But in my opinion, it still fits. I mean, it's it's a, the loss of an innocent life that happens to be black, but by the hands of the police. And a lot of the Black Lives Matter uh, issues come from police um, being excessively aggressive 
and some and some would say even racist, um, but definitely excessively aggressive. And that's what happened here. Um, Pete Neal um, offers a few more comments. He says, yes, but nobody acknowledged the officer's statement of authority and purpose. Well, yeah, no one acknowledged the, uh, the officer's um, authority and, and purpose because they they knocked in the middle of the night when they're asleep. Of course, they weren't going to acknowledge it. They were asleep. In fact, they said they never even heard the knock at the door or the announcement because, of course, they were asleep. Um, what then? In this case, they busted the door down without any form of acknowledged response to the knock or statements made. And by the way, and this is this is Pete Neal chiming in. And by the way, the document signed was a no knock warrant. Yeah, it was. Um, but the officers had been told to knock. Right. I had mentioned that earlier in this live stream prior to they arriving. They were given instructions that they were supposed to knock um, and um, identify and state their purpose, which they did not. And the law does not state what they must do if there is no acknowledgement. Well, again, the original warrant was a no knock raid, which is horribly immoral, horribly a violation of our rights. Secondly, if you are expecting an acknowledgement from a knock and an announcement, don't do it when everyone's asleep in the middle of the night. Come on. Of course, they're not going to hear it. Um, if you're going to you know, conduct a, war, a, a search warrant, show up you know, when they're there, like during the day and, and take care of it. But when you show up in the middle of the night, that's how that's why guns get shot, because it's like people that are invading their apartment. And I don't know the circumstances of that neighborhood or if it was a, a, a crime filled neighborhood. But, you know, the, the boyfriend had a gun. You know, obviously he felt a need that it was important to protect himself. And if the police are barging into these places in the middle of the night, then you're going to expect that there's going to be a problem. There's going to be gunfire. There's going to be a response. So, um, yeah, so it's it's interesting, you know, like and again, it breaks down on on the, the right wing and the left wing. The right wing supports the police. The left wing supports the um, the left wing supports the victim um, and Black Lives Matter. But then there's ridiculous hypocrisy on both sides. Right. The right wing says we must have a castle doctrine. We need to have guns to protect ourselves against um, the tyranny of government. And, and that's why we need the guns. And and here they look the other way on the castle doctrine or the response to the tyranny. And then on the left wing, um, the, the hypocrisy is why is Joe Biden, the author of the 1990s crime bill, who largely empowered these police officers to do these things? They're supporting him and they're supporting Kamala Harris, you know, a an aggressive drug warrior. Um, to me, that's just nonsense and it's more hypocrisy. But the thing that you don't hear, and this is what I wanted to get to. You don't hear much talk about the fact that, yeah, Bruce, a little bit more. There are more bad laws um, where we're, it's the war on drugs is the most ridiculous set of laws that are on the books. And the reason that it's there is because of the fear and the hysteria around people using drugs. And but the the result of the war on drugs is exactly what happened in the Breonna Taylor case. The police have far too much power. The police have been 
given too much authority to be aggressive, to violate civil liberties. That's why we see a lot of violence in the war on drugs, not just at the hands of the police, but also at the hands of drug dealers that are um, distributing the drugs underground. Because obviously, if there is a, you know, in the, in, in the normal economic uh, economy, if there is a dispute, a contract dispute, a territory dispute, there are reasonable and rational and civil ways to resolve that. And sometimes in a court of law. But when you make drugs illegal, you can't go to a court of law to say, this guy screwed me out of the money that we agreed to. Um, They end up enforcing their own rules at the point of a gun. It becomes vigilante justice. And the, the re, what we end up as a result is we end up with tremendous gun violence. I mean, if you really want to reduce gun violence before you start going to gun control laws and more ways to erode the Second Amendment, just legalize drugs. I mean, when when they legalized alcohol after prohibition in the 20s, you know, murder rates went down. Gun violence went down because the gangs were no longer empowered. So the problem with the war on drugs isn't so much the drug use. It's the fact that they're pro- that they're um, they're prohibited. It's the fact that there's prohibition that has all of these terrible consequences. And that's what we saw in this case. So are we hearing anything from the two candidates, Trump and Biden or their fellow uh, vice presidential candidates about ending the war on drugs? The answer is no. Um, You're hearing a little bit about legalizing marijuana from Biden and Kamala Harris. But I mean, for the longest time, Joe Biden resisted making marijuana legal. He was even up until his presidential campaign this year, he was still against legalizing marijuana. And I'm not even sure exactly what the policy is in their platform now, because I think he shifted a bit on it. But marijuana is like safer than alcohol. Marijuana is um, a drug that gives pain relief to people with PTSD, to people with epilepsy. Um, Marijuana is a plant. It's natural. Um, Marijuana is something that has all kinds of derivative products that come from hemp that can be used to make clothing and paper and, and all kinds of other textiles. But it's illegal. It makes you wonder if the reason marijuana, you know, granted it's legal in the state of California, but the federal level is still illegal. Um, And in many cases, recreational use is still illegal. But it makes you wonder, you know, is it driven by the moral majority and the do-gooders that don't want people doing reefer madness and they're scared by all of that? Or are the corporations that are behind um, our manufacturing of clothing and other textiles, is that why they're driven by this, to keep that that plant illegal? Because the products that can come from that plant would be tremendous and would also lower the price of a lot of goods. So it's interesting. Um, in my opinion, what happened with Brianna Taylor is a murder. Um, the police clearly shot at her because the other police officer was uh, reprimanded. And I think, I don't know if he had to be suspended or he's doing time in prison for the um, shooting randomly, the, the shooting um, without a line of sight of the target. So the other officers that actually shot were obviously 
shooting at a target. They shot Breonna Taylor. It was intentional. It's murder, in my opinion, and they should be tried for murder. Um, So enough about the Breonna Taylor case. You know, people are marching in the street, rightfully so. Um, And and are we going to see justice? I don't think we will as long as Republicans and Democrats continue to be in the driver's seat because they both push this foolish war on drugs. It's been going on now since Nixon, since Richard Nixon. And it doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat in the White House. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican or a Democrat in the Senate or in Congress. They're still pushing this this, um, excessive police aggression, excessive police militarization, and excessive police violation of our civil liberties that are guaranteed in the Bill of Rights, that are guaranteed with our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So um, I, I, I just think it's, a, it's an awful tragedy. And I think it's great. You know, people like LeBron James are, you know, they're, they're not backing down. You know, they're, they're saying, say her name or remember her name, uh, trying to keep Breonna Taylor in the forefront. And I, I think that's terrific. Uh, Bruce McCoy shares a comment. He says, the Louisville attorney general said it was a tragedy, in quotes. Isn't that what happens when laws conflict with freedom, when there is no easy solution, question mark? Where is the line drawn, freedom or safety? Uh, Franklin, giving up freedom for safety, get neither. Yeah, that's uh, Benjamin Franklin. Isn't it strange we can't win the drug war? Well, this wasn't a safety issue. Okay, there, there was... Before the police knocked on the door, there was no concern or caution for safety. Breonna Taylor was in her own apartment, peaceful. We already knew afterwards that there were no drugs found. There was no, no one else was at risk. When the police barged in, they made it unsafe. The police instigated the um, violence when they did the, uh, the barge through the door. That was the trigger that started the violence. And um, so it wasn't an issue of safety. If we believed in freedom, if we believed in our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, a really simple way to express that is just leave them alone. Let them live and let live. Let them live their life. Um, So is this a conflict between freedom and safety? I don't think it is at all. I don't think safety is even part of the picture. This was an issue of freedom or in this case, a violation of freedom. Um, And isn't it strange we can't win the drug war? You will never win the drug war. It's a game of whack-a-mole. You try to shut down drugs here, drugs are going to pop up there. Look at what happened with prohibition with alcohol in the 1920s. There were speakeasies and moonshiners and that's how Kennedy got going. You can't, Prohibition doesn't work. You can try to attack the supply and try to raid the poppy fields of Afghanistan or the cocoa fields in in, uh, Colombia. That still doesn't work. You can try to throw all the drug dealers in jail and there'll be new ones that will show up. You can try to put the users of the drugs into rehab facilities or into cages. 
it still doesn't work. You can't win the drug war. It's not possible to win. People are going to do what people do. The right thing to do is to make it legal and sell it like we sell wine. Sell it like we sell onions. Just make it legal. And yeah, you know, drugs, there's some drugs that are harmful. But if you make it legal, then you minimize the harm. Because you don't have all the underground uh, drug trafficking that, that creates so much violence. And you don't have the police doing these no-knock raids and shooting people and killing them. So, um, yeah, the drug war can never be won. So I don't think it's almost we shouldn't even call it a drug war or a war on drugs because it, it's unwinnable. It's a foolish, foolish policy. And it's something that has only made the government... Um, more powerful and giving them more authority to violate our rights. And so when I stand up against the war on drugs, it's not like I want people everywhere on the street corner shooting up heroin. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, What I am talking about is, is that, you know, if, if people want to use drugs, that's their decision. My body, my choice. I have an inalienable right of life. That means I own me. I own me, you own you. I can use my body as I wish. But really, my biggest objection to the war on drugs are things that, like what happened to Breonna Taylor. Um, and we can make a list of a lot of other cases where people have lost their lives due to violence associated with drugs, either at the hands of the police or at the hands of gangbangers enforcing their own drug deals drive-by shootings. We hear all the time about the shootings in Chicago. And some people say these are never reported. Maybe they should be categorized as mass killings. I'll bet you a significant percentage of those have something to do with the illegal drugs. And if you make drugs legal, a lot of that goes away. Um, Google Barbara Lerner Spectra chimes in. She says, let them OD. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of a harsh way to look at it, but it is, you know, it, you know, that we, in, the, in the issue of abortion, we talk about her body, her choice. Why doesn't it apply here? We don't want people to OD. I mean, if people are addicted to drugs, there are ways to get help. There are treatment centers. There are um, ways they can recover. But in the end, you know, if people want to drink themselves um, into drunkenness and a blackout, I don't condone it. But I don't think it should be illegal as long as no one else is hurt. Uh, Barbara also says free drugs for scumbags. Oh, come on. Come on. No, I'm not saying that. Um, No. Uh, Pete Neal went on to say, but do you have a right to death? (laughs) That's a good one. Well, yeah, you do. It's kind of funny that suicide is illegal. That's just dumb. I mean, if if you want to end your life, it's your life. You own you. Um, You have an inalienable right to your life. And I don't condone suicide. Of course not. But do you have a right to death? Yes. And we we hear about these cases of um, euthanasia where um, a elderly person, you know, is near the end of life and they want a doctor to give them a drug that's going to, you know, terminate their life. They absolutely should have the right to do that. They absolutely have a right 
to go out on their own terms because it's their right. They own their life. Um, so I, I know this gets into morality and probably for some people, this gets into the world of religion. Um, but um, I absolutely think people have a right to their own life. Okay. Um, I got a couple more things I want to get to. We're at about 43 minutes. Wow. I already got a thumbs up and an angry. I'm sure that anger. I love it when I get haters. Bring on the haters. Um, I'm sure that's because people don't like it when I talk about ending the war on drugs because they think that means I want people shooting up, um, you know, meth on the street corner. And that's not what I mean. What I mean is, is make it legal so it's safer And so less people die. And so we don't have gun violence and gun death. So that's what I mean. Uh, but I do encourage the, the, the likes and the angries. And, and if you want to use any of those symbols on Facebook or on YouTube in the live stream, please bring them. Pete Neal says, hence separation of church and state. That's another interesting topic. Um, Is there truly a separation of church and state? There's not. I know it was talked about by our founders. In fact, I think, I don't know if it was Franklin or one of our founders spoke about it quite a bit. But there is no separation of church and state in our our Constitution. Doesn't exist. Um, There's a partial separation in the First Amendment, but not an absolute separation. Um, The government cannot declare an official religion like we can't be officially a Muslim nation or a Christian nation or a Buddhist nation. Um, You know, as far as like kind of like the state of Iran, where religion and government emerge, we can't do that. And at the same time, we cannot violate someone's freedom to express their own religion. Um, We can't violate someone's religious liberty. But we see violations of religious liberty happening all the time. Um, President Trump, when he campaigned in 2016, he said he was going to ban Muslims from immigrating to America. And he tried like hell to do it. And he ended up doing a backdoor way of making it happen by banning people from certain Muslim nations, which is an indirect way of doing the same thing. Um, There is all kinds of violations of this idea of a separation in church and state because it doesn't exist. Now, I'm not saying I condone it. I don't think they should be merged, Um, but religion should stay out of politics. But that idea is not really encoded in law. I think it should be, by the way, but it's not. Um, Okay, so uh, if you're loving what we're talking about, I encourage you to like and share the podcast, subscribe with the podcast, uh, share the love. You know, today is National Voter Registration Day, and um, I don't even know what the deadline is to register before we vote, but it's got to be coming up pretty soon here. So it's National Voter Registration Day, and there was an interesting quote from John Legend, um, the musician. In fact, my wife has seen John Legend in concert once, maybe even twice, she goes with her girlfriend to go see him. And he's now saying, if Trump is elected, maybe we need to leave the United States. And we hear this from celebrities all the time. You know, typically, if it's a Republican that's elected, it's time to leave America. But I don't even think you could leave America now if you wanted to, because of COVID. Americans are being blocked from going to other nations. You'd have to like, sneak under the fence that, that 
Trump is building on the southern border to get into Mexico. I'm joking about it, but I don't know how you could. I think there's a few nations that will take Americans. Um, but if you we're trapped here because of covid it's funny. People saying they're going to leave America. And then usually 99 out of the 100 of those celebrities that say they're going to leave when Bush is elected or when Trump is elected, they never leave. Some of them do, but very few do. Okay. Um, all right. We're going to have a little fun. The whole Brianna Taylor thing was kind of heavy. I want to talk about um, these city slogans. And, um, and, you know, w- there's a controversy going on here in Poway about this because Poway is the city in the country. And I, I even sometimes will talk about that when I kick off the podcast because we broadcast from Poway, California, the city in the country. And, you know, we're hearing this slogan coming up constantly in the political discourse for our candidates for city council. And it's a very interesting topic. And, you know, I I, I will break that down in more detail. But before I do, I just want to have some fun. I was thinking, God, there's got to be other kind of crazy city slogans. And there are some really good ones. Like the best one, I think, is is the one for Las Vegas, right? Like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's a great one. And, you know, some of these slogans are created by the city and others are created by the Chamber of Commerce. Um, So usually the city slogan is a little bit more vanilla and the chambers will will be more of encouraging business and they get a little bit more fun. And yeah, Vegas is a good one. What stays in Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The other one I thought was a great one and it's for the city of Colma, California. And I've, I've talked about Colma in this podcast because that's where there's all the cemeteries are in Colma. And a a great number of my ancestors are buried there at Holy Cross Cemetery in Colma, which is like a a ton of Irish Catholic people that are buried there from my family. And the slogan for um, for Colma is it's great to be alive in Colma. (laughs) And there, yeah, there's some people that live there. I mean, people used to joke that it had probably the greatest population of any city in California, maybe even in America, which if you counted all the bodies that were underground. Um, But then, you know, some cities like they get tagged with a slogan that maybe they don't like or isn't really fair. But and have you ever been out like into the Delta region, you know, east of Oakland, east of San Francisco? And you get out that way and there's a town out there called Lodi and they're doing a lot of work to try to, um, you know, make that city appealing. And obviously with housing prices, a lot of people are moving east from the Bay Area. But don't you have that song from Credence Clearwater Revival stuck in your head? Like, oh, Lord, stuck in old Lodi again. (laughs) And uh, those guys must be pissed off trying to shake that. That must be really hard. Um, And then there's another interesting ranking that I saw that was um, every city has a nickname. Americans rank the ones that annoyed them the most. And this is a a top 11 list. And I'll work my way from 11 to one. Number 11, the one that annoyed them the most was uh, the city of brotherly love for Philadelphia. And I I always kind of like that one. I think that was a good a good slogan. Uh, Number 10 was Los Angeles, the city of angels. I mean, that's not really annoying. New York, the Big Apple was number nine. San Diego, America's finest city came in at number eight. That's an interesting one because I know that got did that get coined, I think, by um, Pete Wilson, I think, when he was the mayor. It it just sounds just so 
I don't know, a little bit stuck up. But the San Diego is a great place, you know, but fine. That's eh, not the word I would use. I mean, fine just sounds too, too. It's not bold enough. San Diego is way better than just fine. So we say America's finest city, but I know the outsiders, it probably sounds like, you know, we're one of those stuck up kids on a schoolyard. Um, But we have right to be because San Diego is so great. Uh, Number seven was Philadelphia, the city that loves you back. I've never, that's a weird one. Um, I'm not sure that one kind of makes you uncomfortable. Um, number six for Las Vegas, Sin City. That's a good one. Love the song Sin City by ACDC. Uh, that was great. That was like back in junior high school for me, I think, you know, 1977, 78, Sin City by ACDC. But yeah, that's the number six for Vegas. Number five, Beantown for Boston in the, this ranking of America's most annoyed, annoying city nicknames. Um, how does it get Beantown? I, I know that the, uh, the Boston baseball team used to be, what was the name? It was the Boston beans, I think. And I don't know where that comes from. Um, but it just sounds like it's just so old, a hearkening of the past. Um, number four for San Francisco is San Fran. I mean, do you know anyone that says San Fran? I think the people that say San Fran are the same people that say Cali. And they're never from California, right? Anyone that says Cali either is A, not from California, or B, someone in California that has no sense of it. Uh, but San Fran? Nah. Yeah, that's, that is kind of annoying. And then, of course, number three is Frisco for San Francisco. And I, I'm, I was born in San Francisco. My relatives are all born in San Francisco. You say Frisco to my mother, she'll get angry. Oh, boy, that pisses a lot of people off when you refer to San Francisco as Frisco. Um, and by the way, I've been to Frisco, Texas. That's that's legitimately Frisco. Um, and speaking of Texas, number two in the most annoying city nicknames is Big D for Dallas. Yeah, and, and then number one is Holly Weird, you know, which that's obviously not their official city slogan. It's just kind of a nickname. But I, I had a little fun and I was bouncing around um, San Diego County. And it's interesting. San Diego also, besides America's finest city, is City in Motion, Plymouth of the West, Silicon Beach. Um then Oceanside um, actually had a couple of interesting ones. I don't even know what their current slogan is, but they had one was Oceanside where life is worth living or Tanier Hyde in Oceanside. Um, and, you know, Oceanside, California's pride, city of opportunity. I mean, the Oceanside's had like eight or nine slogans. So a little bit of, um, um, you know, identity crisis there with the city and the, and the power and this Oceanside chamber. Um Carlsbad is the village by the sea. And that just sounds nice. And I guess there was a time when that was true. But now when you have all the development east of the five freeway and La Costa, it's no longer a village. Although I guess the downtown kind of sort of feels like a village. Um, Encinitas, um, I think their official slogan is committed to excellence, focused on community. But some unofficial ones like Lucadia, which is in Encinitas, they said, keep Lucadia funky, which I like that. That's like, uh, keep Portland weird. And then another unofficial one for Encinitas is Omcinitas, you know, for all the yoga that goes on over there. Um, 
Del Mar, obviously a great one where the surf meets the turf. Um, here's an old school one for Del Mar. Park your car in old Del Mar. So that must be from their chamber. Um, some of these actually, some of these cities, they have slurs, you know, some of them. Like the people in Chula Vista really don't like being called Chulawana. And I can't blame them. Um, even national city, people call it nasty city. And that's, that, that's, that's pretty bad. Um, but national city's official slogan is in the center of it all. Um, Chula Vista. I know Gabby Dow, one of our, um, frequent guests here on the podcast, she worked on the campaign for Chula Vista's rebranding and it was called, this is Chula. And it was pretty cool. You know, they basically, they were really showcasing all the things that make Chula Vista great. And a lot of these are things that people are largely unaware of, like, you know, the Olympic training center and the Harbor and a lot of other things. So that's a good one. Um, what else? Uh, one of the other slogans for Chula Vista is kind of a slang, a slang one is boring town USA. Um, Imperial beach is classic Southern California and lemon Grove is the best climate on earth. That's kind of lame. Um, Santee had a recent like major rebranding and they were do more do East. Like, okay, do more, I guess, uh, talking about all their activities and lifestyle and do East embracing their East County. They, there's some, you know, people call it clan T or Santucky. Um, you know, in some cases, Santee gets a bad rap for that. Uh, cause a lot of that was from the past, but there's still that elements hanging around there to a degree. Um, Escondido, the city of choice, San Marcos, the Valley of Discovery. And, and I guess the slang for San Marcos is SM. Yeah, hey, man, we're going to SM, you know, so San Marcos, um, tan your carcass and old San Marcos. Um, I guess that goes with tan your hide and Oceanside. And then listen to this one for Vista. I, I had to look this up to make sure this was right. Um, Vista said, calls itself America's climactic wonderland. And I'm like, Really? That sounds almost pornographic. America's climactic, not climactic wonderland. It's America's clim climatic. <laughs> I don't know if I'm putting emphasis on the right syllable, but America's climatic wonderland. Um, speaking of to climate. Um, but yeah, that was a crazy one. And some of these small towns, they actually have, um, you know, their own little phrases like uh, Fallbrook is the avocado capital of the world. And some people refer to Mira Mesa as Manila Mesa. That's yeah, that's not nice. There are a lot of Filipinos that live in, in Mira Mesa. Rancher Penasquitos. <laughs> <laughs> There's some funny ones there. I mean, like Rancho Skinny Penis and uh, Tierra Santa's Tea Town. So they, all these places, they actually have these interesting names. And it's kind of funny. And and I really want to get to Poway because there's a lot going on with this city and the country. But um, I see a note here from Matthew Brannigan. And he says, if there was countryside completely around Poway's borders, so it was clear that Poway was actually in the country, the slogan would make sense. It did kind of make sense before Saber Springs and Carmel Mountain was built. But no, we aren't in the country, whether we like it or not. We are a suburb of San Diego. And Matthew, thank you for teeing it up. Um, I've been noticing this where 
the political candidates, you know, they just had a forum and a debate. And, you know, there's there's development that's going on in Poway, you know, development along Poway Road, development uh, potentially at the Stone Ridge Country Club up on Espola in North Poway. And people that are objecting to it keep going back to the city slogan, the city in the country. Well, that sounds really good, doesn't it? I mean, it's a feel good slogan. You know, you 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 want to be a city in the country kind of has that hometown feel, that slow pace of life, a place where you meet your neighbors and you, you work together on community projects or in your church and people have horses and it's the city in the country. And boy, that did actually, just like you said, Matthew, that applied um, many years ago. Um, one of my clients uh, talks about he was raised here in Poway, and he lived in some of the homes that are just east of Pomerado Road there, uh, south of the hospital. He was raised in that neighborhood, and he would ride his like little dirt bike motorcycle to the other end of town because there were trails all throughout the city. I mean, this is before the Palisades were built. This is before... Um, uh, why am I blanking on the community name across from the Palisades where Silverset Park is? There was new homes that were built there. Um, you know, back a long time ago, it was only the development right off of Pomerado Road and the development along Garden Road. And then everything else was just like old farmland and a few houses here and there. There weren't very many housing tracks. Back in the day, there was only one stoplight in Poway. And I think it was the one at Pomerado and Poway Road. And Mary Shepherdson does a really good job sharing a lot of these photos and the history, even the city of Poway does. But there, the city and the country doesn't apply. There is no country. Um, you know, do some people have horses? Yeah, but not that many. I mean, let's be real. Um, the number of houses that have a, um, you know, horse yard and a barn and that sort of thing. I mean, there aren't that many. I mean, it's a tiny, tiny fraction of the city. Um, it's not a city in the country. It's not like we've got all these old dirt roads and, and um, you know, we all go to the general store. You know, we're, we don't live in a city in the country. It's just a city. It's a suburb, just like Matthew says, it's a suburb of San Diego. And it's part of, yes, it is part of the suburban sprawl because the gap between San Diego, the city, the proper, and Poway has been filled in with Carmel Mountain Ranch and Rancho Bernardo and Saber Springs and, and, and Scripps Ranch. And, you know, they even put that one development not too long ago in between Scripps Ranch and Poway. Um, so uh, Rancho Arbolitos is the community I'm thinking of. And yeah, Rancho Arbolitos is relatively new housing. I mean, the original tract homes in Poway, I think, were built in the 50s, I think. And then a lot more tract homes went up in the 70s and in the 80s. And then after you got into the 90s and it really slowed down, because the reason it slowed down is that there's very little flat land to develop in Poway. You know, the city council talks a lot about expanding open space and trails and Poway has more open space than just about any city in the county. But a lot of that land is on hillsides and places where you generally can't build homes or if you could, you couldn't build that many. So when they start saying this is the city in the country, I'm like, 
come on. No, it's not. And people are objecting to the building of these 160 houses at the farm in Poway because they say we're in the city in the country. Well, what they're replacing is a golf course. (laughs) How often do you see a golf course in the country? So it's a golf course that was abandoned a golf course that a a speculator bought that, you know, prior to shutting it down, a golf course whose land is zoned for open space recreational. Right now that land is abandoned. It's uh it's frankly a disaster. It's a mess. It's awful. Um and if I lived along that property, I'd probably be pretty angry about it. And there is a developer that has come in, um a local Powegian, Kevin McNamara. He's got a great plan to transform that land um and to create a lot lot of open space, parkland and trails that can be used by everybody in Poway and a lot of additional amenities that would be available for a fee. Just like if you wanted to go to the Rancho Arbolito Swim and Tennis Club, you got to pay a fee. Or if you want to go to the the city of Poway pool, you have to pay a fee. Um, They're going to have similar arrangements up there. It's a good plan. Um, But people are objecting to it on the basis of Hey, we're the city in the country. We can't be doing this development. Well, dude, the horses are out of the barn. The ship has sailed. We are no longer a city in the country. It just doesn't exist. Um, And then there's a lot of um, construction going on on Poway Road. And I know Poway Road right now is awful. Um, Pete Neal is telling me huge amount of breakup in the podcast, both Facebook and YouTube. Really? I have the the live stream right now is a direct Ethernet line. I'm not even using my Wi-Fi and I've downgraded the resolution on my camera and it's still choppy. Sorry about that, folks. This is something I'm trying to work the bugs out of and I thought I had it licked. So it looks like we still have a few issues. Um, but again, let's go to Poway Road and Poway Road. There's a lot of construction on Poway Road. I saw photos of people on Facebook showing the traffic backed up on Poway Road, and it's awful. It is awful. And it's because of the construction where they're reducing a busy you know, four-lane road down to two lanes, one in each direction. So it's bottlenecking, and it's terrible right now because of the construction. Um, but even before the construction, Poway Road is really long. I remember before I moved here, And I remember driving, I wanted to go up to Ramona and I, at the time I was single and I had a roommate and we were living actually uh, across the street from Torrey Pines high school in a condo complex. And I just was one Saturday, I just went for a drive and I just wanted to kind of get lost and see where I could go. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to go East as far as I can. And in order to do that, I had to go along Poway road to go up the, the, I guess, is it the Poway grade or the Ramona grade to get up to Ramona? And then I could keep going east. I remember going down Poway Road and thinking to myself, my God, this is the longest street in the world. And there is every fast food restaurant known to man on this street. And I probably made that drive. That was probably in 1989, maybe 1990, probably 89 is when I did that. Um, And yeah, it takes a long time. And then I used to live at the very end of Garden Road in Poway. And my friends would come visit me and they would joke with me. They say, man, do you live like in Yuma, Arizona? Because it was so far away from the freeway. And, um, and it would take a very long time 
to get from the end of Garden Road all the way to the 15 freeway. So, yeah, Poway Road has always been a bear. It's always been a grind to get through it. And now you add in um, the construction, you add in more traffic, and there is more traffic. Part of it's from the business park. Part of it's because the city has grown since then. Um yeah, so the the city is, you know, going through a growth surge right now. And when you reduce the traffic down to one lane, it's bad. So you got to get off Poway Road and go community and Scripps Poway, or maybe someday they'll open up that um, exit off of Sycamore Creek Road that'll connect you, excuse me, uh, directly to Scripps Poway Parkway. I think that'd be terrific. Um, but People, again, are objecting to the construction on Poway Road because they say this is the city and the country. Well, they're replacing the, the, the outpost that's going in is replacing a two business buildings, one that was the former um, uh, office and, and press for our Pomerado News. Uh, our Poway chieftain. And there was another building there for a landscape irrigation company. The outpost is replacing that. And the, the, the um, construction that's going on on Poway road further down for the commons, one of them is replacing a site that used to be a bank that's been cleared out for a long time. And the other side of it is, is clearing out other buildings and facilities. I think it's like self storage areas that were cleared out. So it's not like, farmland is being converted into, um, you know, into businesses. This was already, um, you know, commercial property that was being used. It's now being made better. It's being um, enhanced and the commercial property is going to be even better. And then of course, now they're talking about potentially um, replacing the bowling alley and the thrift stores with more housing. Again, the, those, already exists. It's not the bowling alley isn't the country. The thrift stores aren't the country. Both of those are part of the city. Poway is a city. It has a country history, but it is not the city and the country. Now, obviously, when this housing goes in on Poway Road, there's going to be a lot more people that live there and there's going to be a lot more traffic on Poway Road and it may get bad. I'm hopeful that the Technology that McNamara is talking about putting in at the farm along Espola, where the street signals are synchronized with real time updates with an algorithm that computes traffic every second and updates the algorithm for the green and red lights. Um, imagine if we had that. I think the traffic would flow a lot better. But yeah, right now it stinks. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of open space here, but I, I still, it's interesting. You go through all these other city, um, phrases and you think, do they really apply? A lot of them are really bland, you know, like you go to El Cajon and what is El Cajon? The Valley of Opportunity, you know, a lot. That's probably the one from the city, not from the city council. But, um, I, I just think it's interesting that here, the politicians in Poway, both the elected ones and the challengers love talking about the city and the country because it feels good. I mean, heck, our mayor, Steve Voss, wears a cowboy hat. Um, he has an alter ego, Buck Howdy, that is a old time cowboy songwriter and uh, a singing cowboy, um, which plays really well in the, this this culture of the city and the country. But it's kind of fake. 
it's not real. There is no country. It's just a city. And that doesn't mean that I think the city should be um, destroyed and we should turn it into Mira Mesa. But I think we have to live in reality. I think we have to understand what Poway really is because it's not the city in the country. That, that slogan does not apply. It's, it's a hearkening to our past. And I hope that we can grow out of it at some point. Um, so, okay, we're at an hour and 10. I was going to comment a bit on the on the Poway city council forum. Um, but I'm, I'm going to run it out of time here. I'm going to save that for another day. Um, if you want to continue the conversation, join us on Facebook. You can go to my Facebook page, John Riley Poway. You can go to the insiders group on Facebook, which I talked about earlier, which I really recommend the John Riley project insiders group. And this is uh, a closed Facebook group, but anyone can get in. You just have to answer a few questions and we have a lot more detailed discussions of a lot of the topics that we discuss in the podcast. So join us there. You can also find me on Twitter at John Riley Poway. That's my handle. And I love talking sports and politics. Those are the two things I enjoy discussing on Twitter. So join me there. Um, We've got some good episodes coming up. On October 16th, Jennifer Klein will be joining us. Jennifer is a Poway uh, musician and entrepreneur. Uh, she joined us um, last year for a podcast episode. She was raised in the Synanon community uh, back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, very interesting person, but just a wonderful songwriter and has done some really special things. So really looking forward to learning about some of her new music. Um, longtime friend of the podcast and frequent guest Pete Neald and I are both, we're cooking up a new episode and it's going to be fun. And it's going to be about um, graphically visualizing systems or personal history. You know, I don't know if you have things in your past or things you think about where in your mind, you can visually see all the components and how they synchronize together. And that gives you a system and you understand it. And it just is like a aha moment, a eureka moment when it all kind of fits together just right. Uh, Pete was telling me about his, uh, his, some of his systems, his graphical visualized systems. And I latched onto it too, because I've got some of my own and I've been, I kind of have managed those privately, but I'll share some of those on our episode too. So Pete and I haven't figured out the time and date for that, but that'll be something coming up soon. And I'm looking forward to that. I mean, I you know, it's election season, so I'm talking a lot about politics, but I want to talk about other things besides politics. Um, okay, so I, I do have a final quote, as I always do. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Ron Paul at the, at the top of the podcast because Ron Paul had a stroke in his live stream this morning and he was hauled off to the hospital and he was fine. You know, Ron Paul, the former three-time presidential candidate and longtime congressman from Texas. But here's a great quote from Ron Paul that I really like. And he says, the most basic principle to being a free American is the notion that we as individuals are responsible for our own lives and decisions. We do not have the right to rob our neighbor to make up for our mistakes. Neither does our neighbor have any right to tell us how to live so long as we aren't infringing on their rights. Freedom to make bad decisions is inherent in the freedom to make good ones. If we are only free to make good decisions, we are not really free. 
And that that's beautiful. I mean, this goes to my point originally. The other guy has rights too, you know, and this podcast is all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and darn it, we all believe in our right of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the truth is, is everyone else has the same rights as you do. And we have to remember that we have to respect their rights to live their life on their own terms, as long as they're not violating the rights of others. And that's why, you know, Pete, you asked the question, should suicide be legal? And in my opinion, the answer is yes, because you own your life. Um, Okay, so that is episode 167 of the John Riley Project. I am going to have to rewatch the video here. I'm hoping it's not too choppy. And if it is, I got to figure out what's going on with this. I think it's probably has to do more with my camera. I think I've got too much bandwidth now that I've got this high end camera. It's not just a little, you know, webcam. And I think that might be my problem, but I thought I had set it just right, but apparently it's not. So my apologies. I'm going to investigate. I'll be back again Monday at 2 PM. We're live streaming every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at two. I look forward to you joining us and thank you very much, friends. Have a wonderful weekend. Go Padres. Bye-bye.